Well, this morning we are um, finishing up the book of Revelation. We've done the whole book in three weeks. It's amazing. This is the very last words in the Bible that we're going to be looking at this morning. And I think we all know that the end of the story is important, isn't it? As I was reflecting on the endings of stories this week, the first ending that came to my mind was the ending of the series Lost. Who of you watched Lost? Yeah. Who of you got to the ending and were like, what? <laughs> yes, right? All season long, that last season, there were these promises of all of your questions being answered. And the last episode came, purgatory? What? They were never alive? None of this was, what? They did not do anything to experience of that entire show that I had given so many hours of my life to. <laughs> then as I was reflecting more on endings, the next ending that came to my mind was the ending to Sixth Sense. Who of you have seen Sixth Sense, right? Bruce Willis. The very end of the movie, we discover what? Okay. <laughs> Best ending ever, all right? The ending of that movie made me want to go and watch the entire movie all over again right then, right? That ending reframed how I saw everything that I had just spent two and a half hours watching, right? The ending of a story has the ability to frame and give perspective to everything that has gone before. And here we are this morning looking at the last lines of the, the book that the Lord has given us. And I believe that these words that we're going to look at this morning give us a lens, a perspective, and they help us to understand everything that has gone before. And these words, this is our story, all right? Lost, great, great story, bummer of an ending, Sixth Sense, fascinating movie. This is our story. We are characters in this story. And so the words that we're going to look at this morning not only reframe the way that we understand an interesting story, it helps us to understand the story that we are characters in, the stories that we are living out every day. So... This is good stuff that we're going to be looking at today. I'm going to read it. So this is Revelation 22, beginning in verse 12. And for those of you that weren't here last week, last week we looked at a um, portion of 21 and the beginning of 22 where John lays out, he tries to put words to this, um, this image that he has been given of heaven. And he describes the most, uh, he can't put it into words, and he does the best that he can, and it's breathtaking, and it's beautiful, and it's lovely, and this is what is to come, shalom. And if you're in one of our community groups, several of the community groups spent some time last week, um, I, I called it, revel what did I call it? Marinating in shalom. And we, we colored, and we had a chance to simply hear descriptions of the end, what is to come. It's beautiful, it's breathtaking, it's good, all right? And then we have these words beginning in Revelation 22, 12. This is Jesus speaking, red letters. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what they have done. 
I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let those who hear say, come. Let those who are thirsty come and let all who wish take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if any of you adds anything to them, God will add to you the plagues described in this scroll. And if any of you takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from you your share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Lord, as we look at these last words in your scriptures, help us to understand not only what these words mean, but what they mean for us. Lord, we do ask that these words would provide us a lens to understand everything that we are experiencing in our day-to-day -day lives, and that these words would help us to understand how we as your people are to exist in the midst of this world. Lord, give us ears to hear this morning. Give us hearts that are soft and receptive to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, Mark shared a bit from Brene Brown's YouTube um, video on vulnerability. Tammy had suggested that our council listen, watch it, and I was kind of laughing as I was watching it. It's wonderful, um, but I was laughing that it was our council president who suggested we watch it because she drops the F-bomb a lot in the course. No, yes. That our council president would re recommend a video with so many F-bombs, but I will say it was, it was really lovely, and I am going to share yet another story from it because it really was lovely. So Brene Brown um, was telling the story. She and her husband were both uh, I think collegiate swimmers, and that she's much older now and has um, older children, and they were on a family vacation at a lake where they had, I think where she had grown up swimming, and she and her husband get up early one morning and they set out to swim across the lake. Now, that's not as easy as it would have been for them when they were younger, but they're doing something together that they both love, and their kids are still sleeping, and so it's just the two of them, and so they get out into the middle of this lake, and they pause at one moment to catch their breath and let some boats go by, and Brene just feels this upwelling of intimacy with her husband. She's just so grateful for this moment. She feels so connected with him, and, and so she just tells him that. You know, she kind of shouts out to him, you know, he's maybe from here to where my parents are. You know, gee, love, I just am feeling so connected to you. I, I'm so grateful for this time. And, and he looks at her, and he's like, yep, water's great, and just keeps on swimming. <laughs> and she's like, wow. But, you know, it, she's processing that, and she's like, you know, that he just doesn't know what to do with himself. And she's like, I'm actually kind of nervous for him that he would have such emotion inside him right now, and he's out in the middle of this deep lake, and I hope he's okay. 
so they get to the far side and they start heading back and again, you know, she's having this feeling, just such connection with her husband, such intimacy, and she's like, you know, I'm going to risk it again. I'm going to tell him again. And so she, she tells him again, honey, I just feel so connected to you right now. Same response. Yep, water's great. Keeps on swimming. Well, imagine if you were her in that moment, right? Your deepest vulnerability exposed and completely rebuffed. Well, she then goes on to tell the story of how that unfolded, and it was actually a great moment for she and her husband. But uh, the point that I want to make is that in the story of Scripture that we have come to the end of this morning, if we go all the way back, this is a love story that that Scripture is telling from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. This is a story of God pursuing his bride. So a profession of faith has been made, or a a profession of love, and we see that uh, most palpably in Easter, right? We are still in Easter season. On the cross, Jesus gives it all, right? Ultimate vulnerability out of love for us. And then in these verses that we just read, if you noticed the number of times an invitation is extended, come, I love you, come, come to me. An invitation has been extended, and now our answer is awaited. How are we going to respond? Well, like a rebuff in any earthly profession of love has consequences, so does a rebuff of God's declaration, right? There are consequences to the answer that we give to this invitation. Now, as I was preparing for this morning, we are preaching through the lectionary right now, which means that there are assigned texts that churches all over the world are preaching on the same Sunday. And so the passage that was assigned for the Sunday is the passage that I read to you, except there are three verses that are excluded. I realized as I was looking in the lectionary reading. The passages that are not included in the lectionary are all of the ones that speak of the negative consequences of of not accepting this invitation. Verse 15, verse 18, verse 19 are not included. They're the ones that speak about the judgment that is going to come if we do not accept God's invitation, if we do not accept Jesus. I just want to read them again quickly here. So he says, come, come to the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Then in verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if any of you adds anything to them, God will add to you the plagues described in the scroll. And if any of you takes words from them, God will take away from you your share in the tree of life. There are consequences to rebuffing God's invitation, God's profession of love. So I just wanted to make note of that because I think that we we don't like to dwell on that reality, but there is that reality, that Jesus is gracious. He has pursued us through all history, desiring to be in relationship with us, and he wants us to come, 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 take this free gift of the water of life that is being offered to you. It's free. It's lavish. The gates of this city are always open. They are never shut. 
He is not going to turn us away. It doesn't matter what we have done. This is a radically inclusive invitation. Anyone can come. It does not matter what you have done, who you are. Nothing matters except your response. So there's this invitation that is extended to us. Come. But then if you also notice, if you look at these kind of each of the instances of this verb come, Christ is offering this invitation to the church, but then the church turns and extends this invitation as well. So we are recipients of this invitation, but we are also then called to turn and be people who are extending this invitation, who are offering it to the next generation, to the next round of people to come. So this is not an invitation to a superficial, private spirituality. But this is an invitation to a deeply rooted public discipleship of faithfulness. We are invited to be part of something that is much bigger than ourselves. And as we are invited into that, we too have a role to play in inviting people to be a part of it. Now these verses begin and end with Jesus saying, look, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. Now it doesn't take you very long sitting and reflecting on this passage to be like, <coughs> say what? These were written down, recorded for us thousands of years ago. Define soon for me, Jesus. So how are we supposed to read this? Kind of these parting remarks from Jesus to his people. Look, I am coming soon. Okay, what am I supposed to do with that? It's been a whole lot longer than I would consider soon, and you're still not here. So how are we supposed to understand these words? I'm going to answer it by telling another little story. Who of you are into home improvement shows? I know that my parents are. Because we share a house, and we share a Comcast account. Is it Comcast? What do we have now? I don't even know. I say recordings into my remote, and up pop all the recordings that our household has been recording. And in the list are Paw Patrol. Also, Flip or Flop, Property Brothers, Fixer Upper, all of my parents' favorite home improvement shows. <laughs> now, what, why is it that we love home improvement shows so much? I want to suggest that it's because of the story of redemption that we see play out in the course of an hour. That we watch these run-down, lost, broken homes go through this process of transformation until all things have been made new at the end, right? And when they walk into that home at the beginning of the show, you know, they're like, whew, can't imagine what they're going to do to this one, right? But we wait with anticipation, with expectation, because we know that the arc of this story is going to be from brokenness towards restoration, re you know, beauty is going to happen at the end, right? You're going to want to buy this house at the end of an hour. You know that. And so you enter into the beginning of the show with expectation, anticipation, hope, because you know the end of the story, right? 
Well, Jesus' declaration and his promise to us at the end of the book of Revelation, look, I am coming soon, is intended to evoke the same response in us. These words help us to know how we are supposed to exist in the midst of this story that we are living in. Look, I am coming soon. This is the end of the story. The picture that I just laid out for you in the last couple of chapters of this beautiful, recreated reality where there is no more suffering or mourning or crying or pain, where the lamb lies down with the lion. This is the end of the story. I am coming soon. And so as Christ's followers, our calling as we hear Jesus' words is to be people who live expectantly. We are called to be people of hope, to be ever on the lookout for Jesus' coming and for evidences of his coming in the world even today. I had all sorts of movies coming to my mind this week. It was really lovely. I think that Hollywood must be, do a good job of kind of painting some of these realities. So the story that came to my mind at this point was the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, right? Aslan is coming. And if you've seen any versions of that movie or if you've read the books, during the course of this movie, you know, the kids enter into, the, into Narnia and it is perpetual winter, right? Because the White Witch is ruling and Aslan has gone away. Perpetual winter. And these kids are on this quest to find Narnia because the beaver comes and tells them, Aslan is on the move. And so they're on the lookout. They're expectant. Where is Aslan? When is he going to come? And they start making their way through the land, and eventually they begin noticing that the snow is melting. They begin seeing grass popping up through the snow. They begin hearing birds that have not been chirping. And they begin pointing these things out to one another because these are signs in the midst of perpetual winter that Aslan is on the move. He's coming. And so their experience of Narnia and everything that is happening begins to be filtered through this hopeful lens. Jesus' declaration, look, I am coming soon is intended to evoke in us the same posture of anticipation, expectation, hope. Now, in the midst of a world that often seems to be going off of the rails, it can be hard to live expectantly, can't it? For me, I, I walk to pick up my kids at school, and I, can, I think I can get fixated on things sometimes, and recently I have been fixated on the trees. We have a lot of trees in our neighborhood, a lot of beautiful tall evergreens, but we also have a lot of birch trees up there. And as I'm walking to the kids' school, what I am fixating on recently is that the birch trees are dying. Not just a couple of birch trees, all of the birch trees. And as I go around the city, I notice that the birch trees are dying all over the city. And so I Googled that, and I begin learning that with the climate warming, these shallow-rooted trees aren't getting enough water. And then with the warming climate, there are beetles that invade these trees that are 
um, able to thrive. And so they're killing the birches. This to me is just one evidence of the fact that we live in a broken world that is being impacted by the effects of human sin. Translate that to whatever your fixation is. We could look at the injustices in the world, the polarization that we are experiencing as a nation. We live in the midst of a broken world. And reading the newspaper, watching the news, your favorite blog, just reminds us of the brokenness. I sometimes long for news that told me good news stories. And yet then I sit down to watch some of them sometimes and I'm like, ah, you know, totally hokey. But we as, as God's people are called to be people who are looking for those good news stories, who are pointing them out when we see them, who are celebrating them, and who are tireless in that. That is our calling. And Jesus' words here, look, I am coming soon. The beginning and the ending of this passage, just shout that to us. We are called to be a people who are hopeful, who are expectant, who are looking for Jesus in every moment of every day, under every rock, and who are crying out in celebration when we see him. So how do we do that? Because our world does not is a huge one. Having a place consistently in our weeks where we come and where we hear the true story, the true story of the world, where we are reminded of the lens that we are supposed to be viewing life through. This is critical as Christ followers, that we have a place where that is happening for us. But if we're, if we're putting all of our weight on Sunday morning or a community group or Bible study, it's not enough. Because we spend how many of the rest of the hours of our week being, you know, told this other narrative that is not as true. And so another practice that I would encourage you to try on, and this is one we've been doing together in community groups, is the prayer of examine. So the prayer of examine is simply reflecting back over a day, reflecting back over a week, and looking for evidence of God's grace. How often do we do that? You get to the end of the day, you fall into bed, you're exhausted from whatever, work, getting your children to bed, and you're just done, right? Your head hits the pillow and you're asleep. This week, why don't you try taking a few moments before you lie down to just reflect back over your day with the Lord and say, God, Help me to see the evidence of your grace today. What did I miss? Because I can guarantee you missed 15 different places where God's grace was present in your day. I was asked that question by my spiritual director a while ago, and I was caught off guard by it because nobody had asked me, how are you experiencing God's grace today? And so I took a moment and I thought about it, and the thing that came to me was when I had woken up that morning, the sun had been shining in my window, which is really, it's physically impossible for the sun to shine in my window in the morning because of the direction it's facing. But the sun was shining in my window, and my body felt good. Usually when I wake up, the effects of two car accidents means that my body feels like I need 20 minutes of stretching before I can, like, move. But this morning, my body felt good. 
And when Rita asked me that question, where are you experiencing God's grace today? That was the moment that came back to me. And I realized I'm grateful for the opportunity to say, God, thank you for that. That was a really lovely way to begin my day. It may not be profound, but we need to capture and express gratitude for the small places where we experience God's grace because they are present. And the story that we are a part of is moving towards the redemption of all things. It may not feel like it oftentimes, but if we believe the story is true, if we believe Jesus is who he says he is, the story ends well. And we need to be about the point of looking for those evidences of that today and then proclaiming that. And I think if God's church began to do that more, rather than fighting with one another, rather than trying to prove our perspective is the right perspective, if we could be about proclaiming God's grace when we see it, we would be a transformative presence. The kingdom would come more fully through us. So that's the encouragement for us this morning from the end of the greatest story.